The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we have the privilege of gathering here together to worship you. Lord, humble our hearts this morning as we listen for your truths and how it applies to our lives in this moment. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us so that we have this opportunity to be in relationship with you and to spread your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Great to see you this morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace City. Uh, as Brooke said, we're excited about next week, and so we'll be back at the high school. And uh, just a little bit about that, you know, we're, we're, we're going back to the high school next week, and as she said, we're, we're, we're going to need some, some help to, to get there, but it's also going to be that work in progress. Um, and so you can find all that information on the website of kind of what's coming up, but also uh, we just know that we live in this uncertain time, right, of, of still kind of in the pandemic, like there's things that are, are still there. And so uh, I just want you to hear me. We understand that people are in different spots, in different places, as, as far as like your health is concerned and everything that's going on. And so um, we're going going to do everything we can to offer spaces that are safe for you. So uh, if you haven't been to the high school, there's a big courtyard there and people can sit out there. You you can still listen to the message, be a part of everything. Um, And we'll also have the auditorium that's there as well. Um, So yeah, we just want to make sure that you know that we want you to be a part of the church. We want you to be there, you know, and we want to create spaces where you feel uh, comfortable to be able to do that. Um, so next week, we'll be back there, 1030. So we're going to be uh, jumping back into the book of Acts today. And so we've been going through the book of Acts all year. And it's been really timely for us, I think, as a church to be able to look at uh, the early church. Because like I said before, uh, you don't really... Uh, look at the church in a way where you say, okay, what's the future of the church without looking at the history of the church, the past? And so we understand uh, who we are, the church, based on what God has already done. And so we are looking at Acts uh, 16, 1 through 5 today. And here's the message. More than a face in the crowd. More than a face in the crowd. Uh, Have you ever felt overlooked? Uh, Maybe you felt uh, invisible. You didn't really stick out much. Um, You know, I was sitting with some friends this week, uh, two leaders that I I respect and and look up to in many ways. My friend Larry, uh, who you guys probably know from the men's retreat if you were there, and then also uh, my friend Pastor Pete, who was here a a few weeks ago. And um, 
and I was listening to a conversation that they were having because we were talking about uh, the type of leaders that we want to raise up and, and, and the people that um, we see as, as people that, that, that might be in that, that category of, of overlooked. And Larry was talking, he said, you know, uh, growing up, he said, as a, a kid, I, I felt like no one really took that time or saw the potential that was in me. And looking at Larry and his background, he said, I just felt like a little brown kid from the inner city. Uh, no one really took that time. And uh, Pete kind of felt the same way. You know, he had grown up uh, really, really difficult uh, family circumstances, um, seen a lot uh, in the inner city and just felt like an outcast in many ways. He didn't feel like he, they fit the mold, you know, and they were saying, um, you know, for us, our passion is to find those, those leaders, those people that uh, maybe are on the fringes, maybe are, are outcasts, maybe are the ones that, that, that people kind of look over. And I felt like when they were talking about that, it, it resonated for me because I, I felt like that. You know, I didn't grow up in the church, and I remember going to Bible college, and, and so many people had this lineage of faith, right? They had these people that were in their family that went to that school, and the, but the professors knew who they were and all those things. But I felt like for me, I was starting at ground zero. Like I, did, I didn't have those types of relationships there. But I knew that God had called me. In many ways, I felt like another face in the crowd. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you felt like you were on the fringes, the outcasts. But, but the message of the gospel is this, that God sees you and can work through you to reach the lost that might be going through something that you've been through before. Maybe something that you felt before. In Psalm 33, 18, it says this, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. That's the character of God. That's who he is. In Matthew 14, 14 through 16, it, it talks about this story of, of Jesus and, and how uh, Jesus, it says, he, he went ashore, saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Right, saw a great crowd, but started to see not just the crowd, but the people in the crowd. It says, now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, hey, th this is a desolate place. The day is over now. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. Give them something to eat. Right, Jesus said, okay, this isn't just a crowd of people. But these are our faces in the crowd of people that matter. And so let's figure out a way to help them. You see, this is the heart of God. Jesus sees the lonely, the lost, the outcast. And he knows the difficult burdens that each of us carry. He knows it's hard. How do we know that? Because he walked in our shoes. That's the message of the gospel, right? That God became one of us. Kosuke Koyama imagined Jesus saying these words upon our death. That when we're in Christ, he imagined these words being spoken. You've had a difficult journey. You must be tired and dirty. Let me wash your feet. 
the banquet is ready. Isn't that an amazing visual of, of a God who is compassionate and can look at you and all that you've been through and understand? Do you believe that today? Do you see the, the same God that worked in the life of a young man named Timothy who we're going to look at today and changed his life is the same God that can meet you today? Today we're going to study the life of Timothy. And I think in many ways we can kind of skip over what, what, what he really went through, but we see different pieces in Scripture about who Timothy is, and I think it's going to be really helpful for us to understand this today. And so our text is Acts 16, 1 through 5. Just to give a little context of what's happening here, Paul had just parted ways with his longtime friend Barnabas and is now headed on the, the second missionary journey with, with a man named Silas. And along the way, uh, he stops in a place called Lystra. Now, we remember before, this is where Paul was stoned. There's a, there's a crowd of people that were there and he was uh, stoned there and, and dragged out of the city and left for dead. And so he goes back to this city, Lystra, and he meets Timothy. Now, this is the first time that we know of that Paul officially meets Timothy. Uh, but most likely, Timothy would have heard of Paul or known of Paul or might have been in the crowd watching as Paul is being stoned. See, again, remember a couple chapters back where Paul was left for dead. Now, during this time, most likely Timothy would have been a teenager uh, around that time when he would have uh, seen this happen to Paul. Could have been in his uh, early uh, 20s. But Paul hints at how Timothy was there in 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11. He says this, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings, what happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at, underline it, Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all the Lord rescued me. Yet all the Lord rescued me. Right, in all of these challenging times, uh, God had continually rescued Paul, and, and Timothy had seen that firsthand. And so what can we learn today about what it looks like to be more than just a face in the crowd? And, and what can we learn about that through the life of Timothy? Well, we can see the power of this in, in three ways. The, the first one is this. Uh, we see from Paul, uh, number one, a listening ear. Number two, a bold invitation. And number three, close proximity. A listening ear, bold invitation, close proximity. So the first verse, uh, we're going to find a listening ear. Look at this. Uh, verse one, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And so here we find a little bit uh, of information about who Timothy was. Uh, first, we see this, that, that, that as Paul listens to his story and it's being uh, laid out for us here, we find out, number one, that he, uh, Timothy is a disciple. 
So he had he had taken on a, 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 the 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 gospel message into his life, and he become a disciple of Jesus. Now, this word for disciple can also be translated as learner or student. But what we find out is that he had a teachable spirit. He was teachable. He was a disciple. When people looked at him, they say, that's someone who follows Jesus. Next, we find out that his name is Timothy. And, and the meaning for the, the name Timothy is this, honored by God. Honored by God. Now, what we see is that out of the crowds of people, out of all the people, uh, Paul listens to the story of Timothy and, and gets to know his name. And, and the power of a name is really important. Uh, Joyce Russell said this. She says, a person's name is the greatest con connection to their own identity, individuality. Some might say it's the most important word in the world to that person. When someone remembers our name after meeting us, we feel respected and more important. Right there, There's something about the individuality of, of having your name and, and it's the specifics of your name. And there might be different meanings for your name. You know, for me, I've got three middle names. Uh, my family did not hold back. Ichiro means firstborn in Japanese. So part Japanese, Ichiro. Second, Kupono uh, means honesty or integrity. And then the third one is ikaika, which means strong, their strength. And those two are Hawaiian. And so those things, you know, make up who I am, right? There was something that, that was like a blessing that, that, that my parents prayed for me that, that, that was bound up in those names. And as we look at the name of Timothy, we find that, that there is something bound up in his name as well, that to be honored by God. says that Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but, but his father was a Greek. Now this is, what does this point to? Well, it points to this, that there was a complicated family history there. Um, Timothy had parents that were in a interracial marriage, a mixed marriage, which was actually forbidden in Judaism. Um, it was, and so Timothy was of mixed race, biracial, and there was no sign that his dad was a believer. And so that's why it makes the point that his, his dad was a Greek, but his mom was a Jewish, but also was a believer. So what we find is that Timothy, in many ways, was basically raised by his mother and grandmother. We don't know much about Timothy's dad, but with the lack of information, what it, what it shows is that he probably wasn't there as much. 2 Timothy 1.5 says this. He says, uh, Paul was writing to Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. See, we all come from different backgrounds as far as our family lineage, as far as our spiritual lineage as well, our histories. And what we find is that that's the same thing for Timothy. He wouldn't have been accepted because he would have been pulled between two worlds. Are you Jewish? Are you Greek? What are you? That would have probably been a common thing for him to experience. 
But it also says this, that he was well spoken of by the brothers. Had a good reputation. And so what can we learn here? It, it reminds us that every person has a unique story, circumstance, gifting, and community. No two people are alike. And what we find here is that Timothy would have felt like the guy that was on the fringes because of all of these things that are a part of his life. I remember I was talking with uh, my wife recently and, and we were talking about this thing of like when you see someone that you meet for the first time and they kind of look like somebody else that you know and then you like, you start to think of that person and interacting with them like that person and, and, you, and then they're like totally different than the person that you, you've met before. Have you ever had that happen before? Or like somebody looks like somebody that you know and then you're like, oh, you start treating them like that person and you're like, oh, they're not that person. Just because you kind of look like that person doesn't mean you're that person. Here's the thing. All of us are different. It doesn't work like that. And in this text, Paul comes to Lystra and listens to who Timothy is. But it's not just about who Timothy is at the moment. But it's about who he could be. Who Timothy could be. And so second, we see a bold invitation. Look at verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, next we see this, that the Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. He wanted him to, to, to accompany him. Now, again, Paul wants Timothy on the team. We got to ask the question, well, Why? Was, was Timothy just that much of an all-star that Paul recruited him for his skills and his giftedness? Did he just look at him and say, you know, you've got everything that it takes to be in the scriptures. There's going to be two books that are going to be written directly to you. I, I, just, I just feel that about you. You're just that kind of guy. No. See, it doesn't seem like that's the case from Scripture. How do we know that? Well, what we find is that Timothy is inexperienced. He's young. But he could have also been a very timid person. We, we find in 1 Timothy 4.12 that Paul encourages him and says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct in love and faith and in purity. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know what Timothy could have struggled with? Fear and anxiety. Do you also know something about Timothy? He probably had some health issues. It might have come from the fear and anxiety. We don't know. 1 Timothy 5.23 Paul gives this instruction for him to, to, to drink some wine because it would help his stomach. And so he probably had some physical ailments that, that were there as well that could have just contributed to the problems that he had. In many ways, as we start to, to look at why Paul would have wanted Timothy, it couldn't have been because he was just the most gifted, talented, amazing person out there. But going back again to what we saw, it said that he had a reputation 
of being a disciple, of loving Jesus. That's what made him stick out from the crowd. In his book, uh, Prince Caspian, C.S. Lewis writes about an interaction with uh, this Christ figure. If you read the books, the, the Christ figure is Aslan, who's this huge lion. And Prince Caspian is having this conversation with the lion Aslan as he's about to take on this kingship of Narnia. And here's what it says. Aslan says to the prince, Welcome, prince. Do you feel yourself sufficient to take up the kingship of Narnia? Caspian says, I, I don't think I do. I'm only a kid. Aslan says, good. If you had felt yourself sufficient, it would have been proof that you were not. It would have been proof that you were not. Have you ever felt like you were insufficient, like you were not fit for the task? You didn't have all the tools? But God says, I'll meet you in that place, in brokenness, in humility, and I'll equip you, and I'll get you there. See, the bold invitation comes to those who could have never done it on their own. And that's Timothy's story. He was the biracial kid that was overlooked. He was the kid that was growing up with his grandmother and mother and might not have had his dad much in his life. And so next we see that Paul takes Timothy to be circumcised. Now, why would this be important for us to understand? About this, Daryl Bach writes, he says, This act prevents Timothy from becoming an issue to the Jews to whom he would minister. Even though Paul holds a view of freedom regarding the law, he is sensitive to how it works in mixed community and in the context of the gospel. And here's the thing. For Timothy to have the willingness to say, I'll do that. I'll, 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 I'll do that. You're inviting me to go, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to make any, any waves. I don't want to make a hindrance to the gospel because what could have happened if, if he didn't do this is he would have become more of the issue and people would have used that as an argument for why they shouldn't believe the gospel. And so for Timothy, he says, you know what? I don't want to make any barriers to people hearing about Jesus. So I'll do that. Wow. It's a bold invitation. But lastly, Paul and Timothy walk in close proximity. Um, look at verses four through five. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decision that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Now, what did this close proximity proximity looked like. It, it says that they went, they delivered the churches, they increased. Here's the thing. They were walking through life together. Yes, Timothy is named before this. Yes, Paul is there. Yes, Silas is there. But you know what? It was they that went together in community. And, and there was a relationship there. 
How do you and I grow as Christians? Not in isolation, but in close proximity to other Christians, walking through life together, walking through the struggles together, talking through some of the things that we're going through in life and praying for each other as we point each other to Jesus. Oswald Sanders once said, he says, disciples are not manufactured wholesale. They're produced only one by one because someone has taken the pains to disciple, to instruct and enlighten, to nurture and train one that is younger. Do you think of people in your life that have come alongside you and said, hey, I'm with you. I'll walk with you through this. We'll be there for you. We'll pray for you. I'm going to encourage you in the scriptures. That's the only way that I'm here today. And that might be the only reason you're here today. You know, for me, I I relate in many ways to Timothy because I think about my grandmother, a woman of God who prayed for me, who loved me, who encouraged me. The first two internships I did as a pastor were at this little church in Hawaii. But I learned. And I, and I saw her as somebody who, who, who was exemplary in the faith, like Paul's talking about with Timothy here. We need men and women of God to walk in close proximity so that we can grow closer to Jesus. So just some takeaways. What can we be reminded of today? Number one is this. God knows your story. God knows your story. In many ways, we say that the center of our lives should be the story of God, and I believe that that's true. But as we look at who God is, the fact that God wants to know your story, he knows your family history. He knows where you grew up. He knows what people have said and done to you. He knows what you've said and done. God knows your thoughts, knows your heart. And despite our worst moments in our life, he chooses to embrace us and love us through his grace, through the gospel. Have you been astounded by that? That reality? That the creator of the universe knows you and loves you like that? To know you? Psalm 8, 3 through 4. David is thinking upon this and it just... It, it, it just takes him to another place. He says this, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? God, you got all these things that you created, the beauties and the wonders of this universe, and yet you care about us? care about me? Maybe that's something that you need to hear today because you're going through difficulties. You're going through challenges. You're going through hard times. And to know that God knows your story and loves you through that. The second point is this. God opens doors to new opportunities. God opens doors to new opportunities. You ever tried to force open a door before and say, okay, we're going to make this work. 
I've tried it before and it just doesn't work. (laughs) But the fact that God opened the door for a young man named Timothy, it doesn't say that he was jostling for position to, to be made much of. You know, we live in a culture that just says, sell yourself of who you are and what you can do. And it's all about you. It's all about you. But what we find is that God chooses the kid that would have been overlooked. Chooses the one that wouldn't have been on the first pick team. And says, that's the one I want. The interaction, it's always, when we see these things happen, it's not just by mistake. It's providential. It's God's sovereignty. It's his grace. There are many times in my life where I said, you know what? I'm not going to be this. I could have never been this. Or maybe other people said that about me. Or they didn't think that I could do this or that. At the end of the day, it's about what God says and who God says you need to be. For me, I fought it to be a church planter. I did not think that that was what I was supposed to do. I had some other plans in place. All of those plans fell to the wayside, and and that's what God opened the door to. God opened that door. And so I want to encourage you today, it's not just for pastors and preachers and people like me and my family. No, it's for all of us. Do we believe that, that God is the one who orchestrates our life? And he places us where he wants us to be. And we see that God opens this new door for Timothy to walk through to be on this second missionary journey. Lastly, it's this, that God sends providential relationships into our life. He does. He'll send people at the right, right time, right place, all of those things. And, and the way that we can chalk it up to is like, man, it was his grace. He did that. God put those people in. in I remember I was driving one day. I think I've shared this before. I was driving one day. And, you know, I've always felt like maybe I I just never stuck out that much. or I didn't have like a bunch of people like fighting to invest in me. You know, I I didn't have that. But, um, you know, I've always believed that Jesus is is there and he's the greatest mentor of all and he's the one that we should be looking to you know if we feel lonely or discouraged or like nobody really sees what what we've been through or gone through like he's the he's the best you know he's the best um but I remember I was driving one day to this pastor's meeting and I just prayed I said God can you just send an older leader pastor in my life can you just send an older pastor and leader? I just feel like I need that right now. And I remember that day meeting uh, a guy who's been an amazing mentor and friend and just, yeah, his, his, um, his name's Jimmy. He's like in his 70s. He's been in ministry for like 40 plus years. Um, kind of seen it all, you know, and just was like, hey man, I, Let's meet up for coffee. Let's meet up and, and just hang. And he's been such a blessing in my life. And so I just hope that you know that, that, that God is able. 
if you feel like that person who, again, just doesn't stick out in the crowd and maybe feels like you're overlooked, that he's there. And so here's the gospel today. Let me ask this question. Do you believe that Jesus sees you in the crowd? Do you believe that Jesus sees you in the crowd? You know, when I think about crowds, I think of Luke 23, 18 through 25. Here's what it says, this crowd. But they all cried out together, away with this man. Release to us Barabbas. A man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. The third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. And they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he would be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection, for murder, for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. When I think about the crowd, when I think about the people in the crowd, in many ways, what I think is, I was in that crowd. I was in that crowd. You know, I think about the faces in the crowd and how many times I've turned away from Jesus and, I, and I've missed the message of the gospel and I've missed that Jesus was right there in front of me and I said, you know, release to me Barabbas. But then you see a Jesus, even with the shouts of the crowd that said crucify him, willingly saying take my life. the greatest person who ever lived, the greatest person, God in the flesh, who should have stuck out of the crowd more than anybody else. It was the crowd who said, we don't want him. We don't want him. Get rid of him. Why'd he do it? So that he could look at the crowd and every person in the crowd and say, I love you. I love you. And he willingly dies for us. To know that the God of the universe knows you and me. He doesn't just know us inside and out. He knows us at our worst. At our worst. And says, I'll meet you there. I know your name. Come to me. And find that you're, you're more than just a face in the crowd. That's the gospel invitation. That at your worst and at my worst, he's invited us into a relationship that makes us more than our worst moments. And I hope that's good news to you today because that's the starting place on the journey. That's the starting place. In my worst moment, he meets me there. He loves me dies for me and says, 
It's not about your life. It's about my life. Let's exchange. And then you start to find out who you really are. Who you really are. You're his. A son or daughter of the king. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that that gospel message gets deep into our hearts, that Timothy and Paul were not some superheroes. They were people who, for Paul, his story was he, he murdered and killed Christians and ravaged cities. For Timothy, he was this uh, guy who wouldn't have fit the mold as being on the first team as being a first-round draft pick. He wasn't that guy. But I thank you that you choose people who don't deserve it. And it's by your grace that you meet us, Lord. It's your grace that you heal us. And in our worst moments, you invite us in and say, trust in me. There's a place for you here. Help us to see that today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.